Hello. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I'm your other co-host, Cam. And it is one of the biggest days of the movie year. And thank God for that, because it's it's January, and that is typically a month of much sadness when it comes to movies because they're they're really like we've been scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to find movies to review and films to go see and there's just not a lot but thank goodness Kirk that every January we can count on the globes which nobody cares about and then this the actual thing that people do care about which is the Academy Awards we got the nominations this morning Kirk without without showing your hand how excited are you about things? I mean, how can I express the nomination day for the Academy Awards? It's like a second Christmas. It just really it fills is. you up with joy. There are little presents unwrapping at rapid fire pace. I love nomination day because there's so much anxiety, like, will my favorite movie be nominated? And then it is or it isn't. And you get to blame people. It's, it's fun. It's exciting. I like that point that you just made. You get to blame people because that is part of it. And I, I actually, you know, I have to admit, I do like that. I actually like it <laughs> in some weird, <laughs> sick way. I do like it when things get snubbed so I can go, oh my gosh, how could they do this? How could they possibly allow this to occur? There will be some of that tonight for me. Um, I'm sure from you as well. And so that that is part of the fun. That is certainly part of the fun. I think the other part of the fun is just like you never really know. It doesn't matter how much you how, how many movies you've watched, how many things you read, how many different articles and predictions and whatever or Twitter, you know, how much how many different people you follow on Twitter. You never really know what they're going to do. You never really yeah. know. And it's there's always a curveball, at least one. There's always a few that really throw you for a loop. And, you know, and then for the next two months until March 12th, which is when the Academy Awards will air on TV and we'll get to find out who actually wins, you're, you're spent speculating, you're reading the tea leaves, watching things happen and, and seeing what happens. So it's is the best. Is that the date? March 12th? March 12th. Oh, that's awful. What, too far away? They used to be like the last weekend in February or, they did. or, or earlier. And now... Oh, that's terrible. But then, I'm so upset. It, it, this might be revisionist history on my part, but wasn't there a period of time where they were like in April too, though? Or was that just the COVID year? I think that was the COVID year, COVID okay. years, because I specifically remember many years, my wife and I, Aubrey, we would go and watch the Oscars, like actually drive two and a half hours to our old professor's house to watch the Oscars like yeah. just as a as a night out <laughs> and then we drive home <laughs> as insane as that is uh yeah I feel like it was much colder and much earlier in the year this yeah. is nuts it is nuts and it's it's funny you say that too because there is it feels like there's a lot at stake with the Oscars this year this is the first real like I don't know the first year that we've been totally clear of the widespread effects of the pandemic, you know, things are not yeah. as heightened as they have been over the past few years. So there is a bit of an expectation that things should return to normal this year. So 
2021's Oscars in 2022 were the first and second lowest rated Oscars ever in terms of viewership by like a lot. Um, you know, they, back in the day they used to do like 40 million viewers and things like that. And, and last year was like somewhere around 15. Um, so there is, there's a lot at stake. You, you know, they're bringing back Jimmy Kimmel to host last year. We didn't even know if we were going to have a host. We ended up with three. It was all weird. Um, but they're trying to kind of get back to normal. And we've got 10 nominees this year, which if you remember, that's a recent change. So in 2009, they switched it to 10 nominees, but the rule was you had to get a certain percentage of the vote in order to qualify. So some years you had eight, some years you had nine, some years you had 10 um, until 2021 where they changed it back to no, it's 10 every single time, 10 nominees. And so this is our second year doing that. Um, and we'll get into a lot more storylines, Kirk, but first what we have to do is talk about the nominees. So are you prepped? Are you ready? Are you feeling, are you loose? You ready to go? You know, I'm feeling pretty excited. I've got some numbers on my other screen here. Yeah. I have looked over the nominees just furiously all day. I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. Well, without further ado, what's the protocol for this, Kirk? Because this is typically our what's popping episode. Do I have to do I have to pop it up even though we're not talking, we're just talking Oscars or what, what do I do? Listen to me very carefully, Cam. Okay, I'm listening. You will always pop it up after we have shenaniganry at yes. the top of any episode. There will always come popcorn. You don't even have to ask me. You could just start playing it, and then my mind will just be ready for the next segment every time. Like that. Ha, ha, ha. We're popping. And that means it's time for what's popping. That means it's time to talk about the Oscar noms, Kirk. Let's get into it. So this is the 95th annual Academy awards 95 of these bad boys and we've got a whole new slate of nominees we are going to start the way that the academy awards usually start which is with the acting uh the supporting actor uh awards because the they like to get people baited in with a big award early and then they kind of you 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 know you sift through the deluge of uh, sound mixing and editing hairstyle and costume design not that those things aren't important but they're not as not as sexy as the other categories. So we are going to go through the primary categories and that's totally subjective. We, we have determined <laughs> what we think is important to talk about uh, on a category by category basis, which will be all of the acting awards, um, directing and best international feature and best picture. So obviously right. there are screenplay awards, there are other awards, but these are the ones that we feel like we want to, take time to break down. And I'm sure before the actual Academy Awards happen, we will have a chance to revisit and talk about every single category. So let's get into it, Kirk. Let's start with the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, The nominees are Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Stephanie Hsu for everything, everywhere, all at once, and Hong Chow for The Whale. What were your thoughts when you saw these nominees, Kirk? Hong Chow uh, was not nominated at the Golden Globes, but has been picking up momentum for her incredible performance in The Whale. Stephanie Hsu, also not nominated at the Globes, but makes an appearance on you know perhaps the biggest stage here. Yeah, I'm glad to see them in there, especially Stephanie, because that performance, I mean, the, the biggest talked about movie, everything, everywhere, all at yes. once, of course, but... Of course, the queen, Angela Bassett. It's no contest. You look at this here. You remember that speech 
in the what do you want to call it the king's hall the queen's hall oh yeah and powerful oh you just know that angela has this own you look down the line you see jamie lee curtis i don't know if i've said this before but do you remember in survivor for a couple of seasons where uh music artist sia would suddenly give people the fan favorite at a thousand dollars yeah it's still happening i think that's still happening Jamie Lee Curtis should get the SIA award and donation <laughs> because she is just on this hype train for anyone, literally everyone, everywhere, all at once. She is cheering them on. <laughs> but I think Angela wins the cake here. Yeah, I loved the, there's the great like memed reaction of Michelle Yeoh winning her Golden Globe. and Jamie Lee Curtis is just letting out like a primal scream <laughs> of excitement. <laughs> I loved that. I was just such, such a great, moment such great energy flowing out there so i i agree i think i'm glad that she's here i thought it was a good performance i do prefer stephanie shoes performance in that movie just because it's so rangy there's so much (laughs) there's so many amazing things going on i just keep thinking about her first scene where she is kind of like so her first scene as the antagonist like her multiversal self who shows up when when she like blows up that cop's head with confetti and there's like just the most <laughs> the most insane sequence of events is happening and she's just delivering amazing line read after amazing line read and just totally unfazed by what's happening around her I, it's just iconic um all of these women are certainly deserving i love to see hong chow here because I, I she is quickly becoming one of my favorite actors loved her in watchmen loved her in the whale uh she's been in so many films recently and TV shows and just deliver, continues to deliver awesome performances. Um, so I, I think this is very well-deserved her and Brendan Fraser, their dynamic was so electric in that movie, but Angela Bassett, I mean, first actor from an MCU movie ever to be nominated for an Academy award um, for an MCU film. So that's crazy. And, she, and to your point, Kirk, she's probably the front runner right now. Coming yeah. off of wins at uh, Critics' Choice and uh, the Golden Globes, so this is that would be quite a thing, <laughs> quite a thing indeed. So it's a this is a good category to watch, and um, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with the slate of uh, selectees. I wonder what Tarantino, Scorsese, all of the all of the, the MCU haters. haters deniers. If if she wins, will they turn their chair around and not look at her? I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know what will happen or what will occur. I mean, Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture, and yes. you know, Joker, while being a very different comic book movie, is still a comic book movie. But you know, it's it's the constant debate. Who knows <laughs> where people fall, and uh, you know, it, it certainly has a place somewhere within this mess of cinema, and and whether you agree with it or not. It, it's uh it's relevant so here That's we right. are um all right moving on to supporting actor the nominees are brendan gleason for the banshees of inisherin barry keown for the banshees of inisherin brian tyree henry for causeway ki hui kwan for everything everywhere all at once and judd hirsch for the fablemans so listen this is a crazy list. It is. It is. That's, what I, that's exactly what I was about to say. That's exactly what I was about to say. What What are your thoughts? Um, I'll let you go first. I went first last time. Sure. Let, le, lean into it. Let's go. Well, I think my immediate reaction was, heck yes, Brian Tyree Henry, because he is so gifted 
and absolutely, I, I have never seen him phone in a performance. He absolutely brings it 100% of the time and finds, he finds new and creative ways to inject authenticity into his performance. Like, even if you think about like Eternals, the way he chose to shape that character was thoughtful. It was creative. It, uh, it was great. And, and he, he does so many amazing things in his career, whether it be Atlanta, whether it be, um, you know, Eternals, whatever else. He's been in so many great, great things uh, lately. But Causeway was an excellent performance. And he, I mean, honestly, Jennifer Lawrence could be right next to him. You know, if, if, if the, the acting, you know, she, she very easily could have been nominated for actress. And we'll get to that later. But both of them gave powerhouse performances in the movie. The movie is really, really excellent. Um, so I'm thrilled. Uh, if you think about the people who are acting right now who deserved who deserved to have the title uh, Academy Award nominee next to their name for the rest of their career. I can't think of anyone more deserving than Brian Tyree Henry, who, who seems like somebody who's just unbelievably devoted to their craft and um, extremely, extremely talented. Um, the other one that stuck out to yeah. me here, you know, Brendan Gleeson, Barry Keown, Kihui Kwan, we expected those. Judd Hirsch getting nominated for the Fablemans is really an interesting case because I think if you were to ask most people, myself included, who from the supporting cast really sticks out to the degree that you would um, award them an Academy Award nomination, I think it would be Paul Dano. And that's not to say, it's just really based on screen time. Judd Hirsch is in this movie for a very, very, very short period of time. In fact, I need to look up the stats um, because they always have stats on like, least amount of screen time by somebody to right. win an Academy Award nomination. This has got to be up there. I mean, this is a very small amount of screen time, but he has one impactful scene um, in the Fablemans opposite uh, uh, Gabriel uh, LaBelle, who, who plays, you know, basically young Steven Spielberg in the movie. And it is such an insane scene. It's awesome. Full of chaotic energy, full of just like, I don't know. He channeled something that I just didn't even know anybody could tap into. And it's awesome. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times people look at best supporting actor as, uh, or, or the best supporting awards as best scene. And if you look at it that way, it's, it'd be hard to find a better one scene performance than what Judd Hirsch did in, in the Fableman. So I'm inclined to uh, agree with this pick. Honestly, I'm excited. I have not yet watched the Fablemans. It's hot on my list here probably the first one i'm going to watch after we leave this recording session cam i was watching judd hirsch when he was on taxi i thought he yes. was 90 years old then he <laughs> yes. clearly was not unless he is methuselah like this is insane <laughs> i'm so excited for him oh just was, wait man <laughs> oh man it's such an electric scene he's like he's like the crazy uncle and he delivers a monologue for the ages i mean it is awesome oh, so he's He's just so talented. He's so good. He's been popping up again. I don't know if he got a new agent or if he's just wanting to go out strong before he retires or if he just says, I don't care. I'm going to do this until the day I die. I mean, what a classic act. I mean, just continuing to dive into to big movies and different roles to just try to 
to be out there and try to create like that. That's just so awesome. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry. I, I just thought that Causeway was one of the best films of this past year. Yes. Kind of shocking that we didn't see more awards for that film, for screenwriting, for cinematography, for more acting. I'm, I'm very shocked. I'm very shocked. This is the one and only, but I'm very thankful that this one is of all of the performances. J law, you know, I hope, I, I hope, I hope that was like a reminder of how good she can be uh, after a couple of phoned in performances or just not the best selection for her. And then you've got the split vote between uh, Banshees for Barry and Brendan. Oh, that will hurt them. That always does. Unless there's just a clear answer. Winner goes to Kiwi Kwan for yeah. everything, everywhere, all at once. It's his year. It's his moment. He has so many responsibilities in that movie that of course we have we're going to make sure that he gets his star on the oscar fame it's so exciting i i think i think he has to be the winner i think he has to be the winner i think it would be bizarre if he didn't and that's no disrespect to any of the other nominees here if i did have to pick a second place i honestly think i would lean barry keown i just think that the scene that everybody keeps pointing to uh, the there goes that dream scene where mm-hmm. he's talking to Carrie Condon's character. There is so much nuance in that particular little monologue or set of dialogue that he has with, with that character that that alone is like incredible. And again, like pretty limited screen time in that movie, but um, he makes a heck of an impact. So yeah, I, I think that they'll split the votes between the two of them, but I, at the end of the day, don't think it matters. I think you're exactly spot on. Kiwi Kwan should be the one to take on the award. Um, and man, what, what a, what an in cap to a resounding momentous career comeback for him. I mean, if you've listened to what he's spoken about, the journey that he's sort of been on over the past, you know, 30 or so years, it's remarkable. And here he is on the precipice of becoming an Academy award winner and being really the odds on favorite to do it. It's, uh, it's inspiring. It's, it's amazing. And, He's totally deserving, totally deserving. So yes, that's awesome. All right, let's move into the lead actor. Oh uh, my goodness! And let's start with the gents this time. We'll start. We'll start with the gents. Well, a lot of familiar faces here uh, from the award shows that we've already seen. So Austin Butler, Brendan Fraser, uh, Austin Butler, of course, for Elvis. Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inisherin. Bill Nye for living and Paul Mescal for after sun. Um, Kirk, kick us off. What are your thoughts on this category? How do you think this is going to shake out? Well, I think it's a very simple cam. Uh, sorry. I just had to push Kirk out of the way because really it comes down to one thing and one thing only. Who's the best. Who's the King. Who's the one that's been giving you wonderful hits all of your entire life that you haven't even noticed. It goes to Mr. Austin Butler. Yeah. Great impression. As always, I, f- I feel Thank like you've you. been refining that. I feel like you're, yeah. you, you like have been working on it in, you know, when we're not, even when we're not doing this just to kind of like fine tune it a little bit. So I respect the hustle. I feel that if I'm going to refer to Austin Butler, I can't give the caricature yes. version of Elvis. Sure. <laughs> I have to give the truest, most realistic <laughs> vocalization because Austin Butler is becoming Elvis. I wouldn't be surprised if he just suddenly comes out with a music career and becomes the most famous Elvis impersonator ever. I don't, it's not a bad career path. He honestly can make a ton of money doing that. Yeah. Maybe, you Uh, know, maybe even more money. I mean, tomorrow's never promised. You never, you never know what's going to (laughs) happen to his movie career. 
I saw a video or sorry, a picture of a person of an impersonator at like a, uh, a community home center. And this guy looked nothing like Elvis and it was just sad. And I know there's been speculation of Austin Butler, not looking enough like him. Well, out of makeup and costume, of course, but like any, like any other actor, but you put him in the suit, you put him in the clothes, you put him in the lights. He's Elvis. It's just like that. So I don't know. That's it's perfect. I think that he should absolutely consider doing it right now before he uh, loses his Elvis voice sometime in the next five years. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he's like you said, he's on, he's on a full path towards Elvis transformation full fledged. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. Um, This is one of those categories that I feel like the Academy just got right on the money. I, I just like, I look at it and I'm like, there's not a miss. There's not a snub. I was worried about this category, uh, and, and the reason I was worried because of Paul Mescal. And I, I've seen a lot of movies from 2022, and it there's a lot of good performances. Uh, it's a it's not the greatest year for film. That's been well done. I mean, we've said that uh, on this show quite a few times. But I would have been frustrated if Paul Mescal lost out. Um, the only person I think I maybe wouldn't have thrown a fit about getting nominated would be Tom Cruise for, for yeah. Top Gun Maverick. Um, but, you know, if Hugh Jackman had gotten nominated for The Sun or, or Tom Hanks for A Man Called Otto, um, I mean, there were any number of ways that this could have gone. And I was just worried with Paul Mescal being a relative unknown. I mean, this is like his first feature lead performance in a film. He was in The Lost Daughter last year as a, as a supporting role, and he was excellent in that too. Uh, but really, his TV career is kind of what has set him on this trajectory. But... I was just concerned that the Academy would be like, eh, he's a rook. Let's, let's wait it out. He'll have his time. This performance was magical. Uh, it, it absolutely broke me <laughs> to my core. It tore me into little tiny shreds and pieces. And I had to build myself back together over the next few days. It was so powerful. Um, so I'm glad to see him here. I don't think he wins. I think it's a two horse race and, and those horses are named Austin Butler and Brendan Fraser. Um, you know, coming out of Critics' Choice, I, I thought this is interesting. You know, we've got Austin Butler takes home the Globe over Brendan Fraser, but Brendan Fraser takes home the Critics' Choice Award, which I thought was a really interesting turn of events. I My personal opinion is that Austin Butler should win it, but I think this is one to watch closely. I think what's working against Brendan Fraser right now is the fact that the Academy didn't love the whale. Uh, a lot of people thought that was going to be a Best Picture nom. It wasn't. Uh, it it didn't get very many nominations at all, really, in terms of uh, really anything outside of these two acting awards for for Hong Chow and and Brendan Fraser. So that I think is is interesting because a lot of people, a lot of experts leading up to the selection, really thought the whale was going to sneak into the ninth or tenth spot, and it did not. So I I think that that is telling. Now, what's important to remember, and, and I'll probably mention this later too. There's a long way to go here. There's a lot of politicking and horse trading and things that goes on between now and March 12th, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But this is one to keep your your eyes and ears peeled for because it's uh, you never know. But I, I think Austin Butler should get it, but we'll see. And I, I feel like, sorry, I feel like signs are pointing that way, but things could change. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like it does go to Austin and in any way this shakes out. I really do. He just has the edge 
Um, his film is nominated for Best Picture, of course. Um, Brendan, sorry, man, you you will get it. It's just not this year. So I see. I also feel bad for Colin Farrell, as we know, Colin Farrell had a an explosion onto the scene at the beginning of his career took several bad roles and then the public hated him. He even talked about it at the recent uh, kind of round table with all the nominees kind of floating around during these award circuits. He talked about how people were just like despised him. They did not want him to be an actor anymore. And uh, Martin McDonough actually sat him down and said, Hey, I want you to do this movie. And Colin Farrell said to him, he said something along the lines of, yeah, uh, you know, people hate me. And Martin's like, yeah, I don't care. I want you in this movie. You're perfect for it. And then he did it. And that kind of sparked off his indie career, Colin Farrell's, to go off and really just discover not the big blockbuster, not exactly what a studio wanted him to be, especially in the late uh, 2000s and early 2010s. It really was Colin Farrell breaking down characters and being true to them, which is what we love today so much. We love that more than blockbusters, like intentional blockbusters, as we've seen the the reviews uh, of those particular scores. So uh, it's, it's a little, it's a little bittersweet to not see, to, to know that Colin Farrell won't win. It's kind of, it's kind of known, like it's going to be one of those other two. It hurts a little Bill Nighy. Congrats on the nod. I haven't seen your film. It won't be you either. It's got to be Austin or Brendan this time. Yeah. The good thing is, I mean, this is Colin Farrell's first nomination, but he's peaking right now. He's absolutely peaking. He's hit, he's hit a couple of good roles in a row. I think, He's a he's a hot name now. Everybody yeah. knows what he's capable of. He has range out the wazoo. I think he'll be back. He'll, I think I think he'll be back, and um, I feel the same way about Paul Mescal and really even Brendan Fraser. So, however this shakes out, I think is is going to be okay. But you know, the Academy didn't like the whale. There were there were a lot of awards that the that I thought the whale would be nominated for. I thought adapted screenplay was easy money that the whale would be nominated for that. And no, it did, it did not get nominated. So uh, that that tells me everything I need to know about how people felt about this movie within the Academy. So we'll see. I don't, I don't know about these guys. I'm double-checking Bill Nighy. Nope, he's English. But Colin and Paul, straight-up Ireland boys. And, uh, I mean, if you have not noticed my uh, beard um, or my round features, uh, my large head – and absurd behavior it's because i'm i'm broken inside because of my irish heritage that's just what you are which makes you a great actor <laughs> <I think. laughs> so these two these two broken beautiful men uh I, i'm glad that the irish are representing here in the best 25 percent of the acting nominees across all four categories are irish 25 25 percent one quarter of all of them oh that is so cool. That and, is that is so cool, Cam. I think that's <laughs> I think that's glorious. Banshee's lopsides that number a little bit, but it's still it's a remarkable feat, nonetheless. Oh, we didn't even mention the Miss Condren back in the other best that's actress right. category. That's right, and, and Gleason and, and Keon. So, oh, they're all over the place, are they? All right, Get let's these Irish men everywhere. <laughs> let's uh, skip back to the females and talk best actress. Um, Sheesh! This cat, this category. <laughs> what a this, way! The, and incoming the females. Sheesh! Sheesh is right because this, to me, this is like if the men, if the male award is what the Academy did right, this is what they did wrong. This is yeah. this to me is what they did wrong. Um, well, I'll just go. I'm 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 rolling. I'm just gonna go. Anna Anna de Armas should not be here. I just 
I do not think so. And I don't think Michelle Williams should be here either. I feel like Michelle Williams has given a ton of awesome performances in her career that have been worthy of Academy Award nominations, and she's earned them, and she's fantastic, a fantastic talent. This was not, like, this was a good performance, but this she should not be awarded. I feel like the two notable snubs are Viola Davis um, is, to me, an obvious snub. I felt like that that she should be she should be one of these five ladies here. And then, um, though I have not seen Till, a lot of people were expecting Danielle Dead, Deadweiler, and she has been nominated all throughout the awards process at every single show uh, for her performance in Till. Everybody, every critic has lauded it. I haven't gotten a chance to see the movie, but that's another one that people are pointing out as a snub. So I can't call it a snub, but those are the things that jump out to me. And then uh, Andrea Riseborough, that one came out of nowhere uh, in, in the film To Leslie. And again, I haven't seen that movie, so I can't speak to that performance. But I do feel like the miss of Viola Davis is a huge one. I feel like Anna de Armas should probably not be nominated here because I didn't find her performance in um, in Blonde to be as transformative, as rangy as people thought because I, you know, I think I've actually spoken about it before. Um, she didn't manage to uh, get rid of her accent, which is really not her fault, but it does impact the performance. So I didn't think that she should be nominated here. So I, I would have liked for this category to go differently. So Kirk, those are my thoughts. But before, <laughs> before I get off my soapbox and pass it over to you, I should probably introduce the nominees since I just decided to go full rant right away and just like start laying into this category. So the nominees for anybody who's just listening are Kate Blanchett for Tar, Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, Ana de Armas for Blonde, and Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. I think I mentioned each of them, but you may not know what movie they're from, so I apologize for that. There they are. There they are. Some fun facts about these crazy gals. Uh, this is <laughs> Michelle Williams. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? <laughs> I did like that. That was that's not ex- that was not at all what I was expecting you to describe them as, but I loved it. There was something really jovial about it that I just Thank really you. hit me hit me in the moment. <laughs> Michelle Williams, this is her fifth nomination. It'll be her uh, third best actress nomination. Her second, uh, she has two best supporting nominations. Um, what in the world? Beast I mean. I think I sang the Dawson's Creek song recently, but that's all I think about when I never watched the full Dawson's Creek and maybe this is my opportunity to do so. No, but they did her such an injustice on that show. They made her, they went to great lengths to make her, make her look just ugly. Like she's not an ugly person, but when you watch that show, you Uh just cast that character aside (laughs) because it's, it's abysmal what they did to her and she has been fighting for it, making up for it saying in your freaking faces yeah. for the rest of her career. She's got a colossal chip on her shoulder. I, I love it. I love that energy. I mean, some of the most, uh, some of the most incredible performances out of her that we've, we've seen. So thank you, Michelle Williams. Um, another crazy fact about what did I say? These crazy gals, crazy gals has to be Michelle Yeoh. I saw a fact today that the last Asian actress to be nominated for this category was in, wait for it, 1935. Oh. That's almost 100 years. Like, that's absolutely insane. That's crazy. Absolutely insane. So I think... 
the time is now, even though it's leaning towards, of course, Miss Kate Blanchett. It's, I mean, it's got to be her, right? I don't know. I, I just feel like, and it's, you know, she's just too good. She's too good. This, in, in this, this role that Todd Field um, cast her in for, for Tar was just, it's just tailor made for her. It suits all of her strengths, and she has many, but it's just right in her wheelhouse. She totally nailed it. It's it's and it's insane. It's absolutely insane what she does in this performance. And I saw it, and I immediately was just like, "Well, that's your winner." <laughs> like it just that doesn't usually happen like that. But this this is the one time where I'm like, "Yep, that's your winner. That's your winner." So yeah, you know. even with the best actors, you're like, "Well, I mean, it should be Austin Butler, but maybe Brendan yes. Fraser. I mean, it might be. You never know." This is the one that feels like a runaway to me. That's I gotcha. just like it's. I feel like Kate Blanchett wins it, and I would be shocked if it went any other way. I just would be. I think Michelle Yeoh should just, like, find all of her social team and say, push that 1935 fact hard, and she will win in a landslide. Because they'll be like, well, Kate's already got two. Like she's That's true. Good. She's got best and best supporting under her belt. And Michelle well, Yeoh has a zillion credits. She's yes. been in so many films. She's been doing this forever. She's been doing... Great work for a long time. She's very deserving. She's very deserving. I think the acting union should say, you know what? It's time. It's time to spread the love. Even though it hurts. It hurts when you know you're supposed to win and someone else wins, even with that logic. I know. Um, It's going to be interesting, but I just can't get over the the blatant misses here. And I think that people are going to be pretty, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen a ton of Oscars backlash really. We'll get into the category where I saw a little bit of Oscars backlash in a bit, but I haven't seen too much, but this is the category where I look at it and I go, I feel like there's, I feel like they missed the mark here. They missed yeah. the mark. So um, there's that. All right, let's get out of the acting performances. That's all the acting performances. Let's go into the film and directing side. Let's start with director, a um, little bit of a shakeup here over the Globes. No James Cameron, um, no Boz Lerman. They are replaced by Todd Field for directing Tar, Daniels, that's Daniel Scheinert and Daniel Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Ruben Oestlund for uh, Triangle of Sadness, and Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inisherin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There they are. There they are. Um, and this is an interesting category, too, where you could say uh, directing is always hard. You know, directing, it, it, it's always a hard category um, because there's only five. And there's there's ten best pictures. And there's a lot of movies where you could argue, even if they're not a best picture nominee, that the directing was fantastic. And so this one always feels contentious. It always feels like people are left out in the rain. And... It's just a hard one to get right. I feel like the ones that feel strange to me in terms of not being here would be uh, Edward Berger, who directed uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. That movie earned a whopping nine nominations. Nine. That's tied with Banshees and only two behind everything, everywhere, all at once. So it's tied for second place in terms of total nominations. And it got nominated for most of the <laughs> most of the things that you associate with directing. Uh, first of all, adapted screenplay, best picture, cinematography, score, um, 
there, I mean, there's just, there's a lot going on here as well as being nominated for best international feature. So I was surprised that he didn't earn a nod. And then also Sarah Polly for um, women talking, which, which scooped up a bunch of awards, but I have, I have a bit of a vendetta against that film because it's impossible to see. (laughs) I have tried. (laughs) It's like, even the theaters that are within 30 miles of me that are showing the movie are showing it at like 2 PM on a Monday. I'm like, okay, you know, how am I supposed to do that? I like, I have children I have a job. This is, this is, it feels personal. It really starts to feel personal. So I hate that. That's the only movie that has not been seen uh, by anyone in the film industry. <laughs> That's what they it actually, feels like, man. They just couldn't nominate it. Uh, they couldn't nominate the director because they're so mad that they, that she, <laughs> uh, who has no control would, right, would right. release it. To <laughs> yeah, the exactly. Public. <laughs> yeah, she, she is like the, just, it's like shooting the messenger. She has no control over it, but, um, I, I don't know. I feel like directing is always a tough one, especially now. Like I said, now that we have ten nominees for best picture, but Kirk, what are, what are your thoughts? Is, is there anybody here you feel like shouldn't be here, or anybody you feel like should be swapped out for someone else? What What would you do? Obviously, uh, it is a, an all male category. The best director here again, which yes. always raises some eyebrows. You know, yeah. you question what is the lens? What is the are, are these movies all worthy of it? And that is all subjective. Um, I would have liked to see the Causeway director, which I think is a is a female. I don't know her name. I'm rapidly trying to look it up here. Um, but the, I mean, there are there are so many things to choose from narrowing this down to uh, Lila new news bowers i don't know how to say that here's her picture just add her to the uh (laughs) add her to the list there of could have been's um i just think that this is difficult to boil down to i don't know if we ever get any of the nominations right from year to year uh but ultimately of these films i think it's generally correct generally correct um i'm excited to see the daniels in there that's probably my pick even though i love 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 martin mcdonough and i want him to get every single award ever um the daniels just did something that was so unique that will never be replicated again martin mcdonough will always have incredible characters that will just in absurd situations that will grab you through the screen. And I know he'll do it again and again and again, that he has an opportunity. And of course, Spielberg, you know, he's Spielberg. The other two, there's time. So to list them off one by one, I just, this is also a weird category, not as crazy as the best actress, but it's very eclectic in, in what it looks like this, this weird mosaic of the films that they've created. It doesn't quite, I don't know. Uh, I'm speechless. I'm very speechless in, in, yeah. in how to direct this conversation in the best director conversation. Sorry. I think Ruben Oestlin is the one that that sticks out as like, hmm, that's a that's surprising to me, um, and, and not because it's like, well, I, I would have rather seen a female nominee or whatever. I think there's certainly an argument to be made, like I said, for Sarah Polly or for Gina Price Blythewood. Um, Charlotte Wells, even for After Sun. I mean, that was her directorial debut. And talk about hitting an absolute grand slam on the <laughs> first go around uh, with After yeah. Sun. So, I mean, there were there were some good options, but there are also some good male options too. And I feel like with the number of nominations that all quiet on the Western Front, I I just don't see how Edward Berger doesn't get nominated here. I don't 
get it. Um, and, and the Academy clearly loved Elvis too. So Boz being left out here is yeah confusing. I mean, Triangle of Sadness was one that I had on the fringe for best picture. So once it snagged a nomination there, it's like, okay, this starts to make a little bit more sense, but you look at the rest of the nominees and, and it just, I don't know. Something just doesn't add up here. And again, I feel like, Best director and best picture should be so closely correlated. Um, very, very, very closely correlated. So I'm almost inclined to look at like these five films as the front runners based on that. But I would be shocked if Triangle of Sadness really is a front runner for best picture. So my theory with Elvis not being into uh, the best director category is strictly based on how Bos Lerman misdirected Tom Hanks through that entire film. That has mm. to be the the final the final reason why he's not here because again he should have absolutely sat him down and said listen this accent isn't working yeah you're not working well let's fix this and let's move on and he didn't do that that is a a very big hindsight uh fix i wonder if boz lerman will ever admit to it i don't know that he will that's why he's not sitting here today though yeah, and what's crazy about that, like, on the contrary, they nominated that film for awards that I just did not expect, like cinematography. I just did not yeah. see that coming. And so it's like, you nominate for cinematography, you don't nominate him for director, you give it all these other awards, film editing, and you know, all these other nominations. I just like, what? what's the disconnect here? I, again, it just feels like something doesn't line up. But you could be right, Kirk. You could be like, hey, you focus too much on the Elvis character and let other stuff fall to the weight side, including the second most important character in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you wasted an Academy award winning talent, but I don't know. It's maybe hard, it's, hard maybe know. it's voters fatigue. You get the full list in front of you. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do here? Maybe they should just do like one vote a day. <laughs> you get a login, you get to vote for a director one day. That's it. The next day, best picture. The next day you get to put your nominee votes in because I feel like when you get to all of these categories, you can just be like, well, I voted for that one for that one versus really judging it based on what it is, what its art is, what its message is, what the story is. So uh, there has to be some of that going around because obviously we are human and we cannot make that many decisions. Yeah. Yep. I get that. I, I, I don't think you're wrong because I do feel like there's always a clear recency bias that happens too um, with the Academy Awards. It just, it's obvious and it makes sense why it happens, but it just feels like there should be some way, some built-in protection against that. Like, don't let them start watching movies until I, I don't know. There, there, there needs to be some way to pre- prevent against that, but it's I not like a perfect it. no, process. There, no, no one in the film industry is allowed to watch a movie until then, <laughs> until the, all the movies are available. <laughs> uh, if you if you try to watch a movie at any point during the year, there's a microchip that zaps you. That's already yeah. like in inside your body. I like this. There, yeah, it's like you guys have to watch 500 movies in 60 days. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood best, shuts down. <laughs> best of luck to you all, <laughs> Academy of Voters. Uh, it has to be done. Sorry. All right, next, before we get to the the big award, best picture, let's talk about international feature. And the reason I wanted to talk about this one, and and we kind of chatted about this, Kirk, is, and this is a great thing, international feature is becoming one of the highlight categories, which I love. Uh, It used to be called um, best foreign language film. Um, But if you look back, the last five years in a row, one of the films in this category, whether it be foreign language film or 
really, of the last five years, there has been at least one non-English uh, as the primary language film in the Best Picture nominations. So you've got Minari, Parasite, All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, you've got uh, last year, what was the, uh, oh no, was Drive My Car, Drive My Car, oh, yeah, yeah. and uh, then Roma. Roma was, was you know, uh, in Spanish. So that's a cool trend that I love. I, I'm so glad that the Academy is embracing international film or, or non-English uh, films. And I'm glad that we're getting more accessibility. Like you can watch Argentina 1985 on Prime. You can watch All Quiet on the Western Front on uh, on Netflix. And, and you yeah. know, RRR yeah. didn't get nominated, but you can watch that on Netflix. And Decision to Leave didn't get nominated. You can watch that on Movie. So there's just a lot more accessibility to it. But this category, Kirk, the nominees are Argentina 1985, which won... Did it win the Globe or did it win the Critics' Choice Awards? Critics, it, it won one of them. But Critics' I do Choice, not Critics' which Choice, one. I think. Um, EO, All Quiet on the Western Front, The Quiet Girl, and Close. In my opinion, there is one egregious, horrific, shocking, and disgusting snub in this category, and that's uh, Park Chan Wook's decision to leave. I am disgusted that this film was not nominated. (laughs) I had it, if you'll recall, as my number six film for all of 2022. I certainly think, I certainly thought it was the best international feature out of all of these, including All Quiet in the Western Front. And I am floored that the Academy has once again snubbed my man Park when they didn't nominate Old Boy which is a beautiful, incredible, horrifying movie. And they didn't nominate The Handmaiden. This dude is getting snubbed left, right, and center, and I will not stand for it anymore. I will not. Yeah, I mean, this lineup honestly looks like the most enticing lineup for... (laughs) Great posters. Great posters uh, for someone who is not going to be into the international feature, right? Like, you have faces you you don't have like a lot of clutter there's like one or two focal points you have a donkey in all red <laughs> um it just looks like yeah i don't know what that's about uh, but uh it's got english writing on it and i know it's probably going to be dubbed or subtitled so i'm going to watch that I, I think that's what maybe this is why maybe it was going for the most <laughs> in a in a terrible way whitewashed uh way to, to vote <laughs> oh, these no. in because I don't know. Look at these. Do you they mean not just look the like, most appetizing looking? I, I don't know. I don't know. Because if you look at them, they don't, none of them look like they're international features. Not a single one of them in the slightest. They all look like they could have been made here in America. And as selfish as we are uh, here, here in America, I think that that's what we're looking for. We're looking for something familiar, the general audience, the general audience. Yeah. So that might be why this is happening. We have low, lower viewership, uh, in the Oscars. They want people to get to these movies and have the best access to these movies. I don't know. But some of these, we don't have real good access to like EO. Uh, Like, I don't know that that's been streaming anywhere ever. Uh, so 
for EO, you have to find a guy like on the corner of a Seven Eleven and like do a secret handshake. You, yeah, or like here. or like find some janky YouTube stream or like some yeah. some like jailbroken dark web jailbroken website that's going to destroy your whole life uh, yeah. to watch it. Uh, yeah. By the way, yeah. the, the entirety of Park Chan Wook's Old Boy, the the film, which you can't find streaming anywhere, you can't buy on DVD. Period, is all on YouTube. I found it. So what? Weird. <laughs> yeah, it's on YouTube with <laughs> with Spanish subtitles, but then you have to go to your YouTube settings and turn on the English subtitles. That's how I watched the movie, by the way, recently. Excellent. Um, <laughs> because I wanted to revisit it after decision to leave. Hopefully, it's still out there. I think it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't know. That was shocking. And then the other thing that was shocking with this category was RRR. I mean, this movie had a huge push of momentum. It seemed like it was going to get nominated for Best Picture. Not, I mean, not even just Best International for a long time. And then all of a sudden it disappears off the face of the map. It doesn't even earn a Best International Feature nomination. I was surprised by that. And I'm one of the people who think that that movie is overrated. Um, and I want to clarify that. I would say that here's the thing. This was a lot of people's first experience with director SS Rajamuli and rightfully so. Um, but he has other films on Netflix. And if you watch them, you know, like Bahubali from 2015 and the sequel to that film and some of his other films, they're very similar in nature. So this was just like a lot of people felt like this was a cool new thing and it's, it's actually not like, I'm not trying to be a snob. I'm just being honest. Like it's, it's not that new. And so I think that the, the shiny newness and quirkiness of it was the reason that people were quick to try to give it awards when, yeah. even though it's really fun and it's a good ride, um, it has flaws and it's, it's not perfect. And it's, in my opinion, not deserving of best picture, not, and maybe not even best international feature, but a lot of people thought it was, and it didn't end up here. So I'm very surprised by that. I mean, it just was a really good meme generator just over and over again. That's true. I really do think it was just a lot of people, and I'm glad that people gave it a try and, and watched a you know watched a movie that was, you know, Tollywood, not Bollywood, but yep. Um, yep. and 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 gave it a try and, and that's good. I think that that's that's an excellent and beautiful thing. But just because it's new to you doesn't mean that it deserves to be uh nominated per se so i was very surprised that it wasn't nominated but that doesn't mean that i thought it deserved to be nominated um it also doesn't mean it's a bad movie they only pick five so don't be mad at me it's it's tough no one's gonna be mad at you no <laughs> one's throw, gonna say don't throw your stones did you hear popcorn for breakfast Dude, did you hear cam talk about rrr listen Get him the rrr hive is scary Okay, these people, I fear these people. There's a, a very avid fan base out there for this movie, and I'm thrilled for them. I hope they have their fun, and I'm sure they're all heartbroken today, but yeah. I agree with the Academy on this one. That's just my take. Yeah, we're going to be out in public. We're going to go see our next movie on our list, and there's going to be a blow dart to your throat yeah. while we're watching in the theater, <laughs> and someone's going to sh shout, ar, ar, ar. <laughs> It's going to be right when I finally get a chance to see women talking. Somebody's going <laughs> to cut me down. <laughs> Like, no, what a horrific, what a horrific event that would be. All right. And last and finally, the last category we're going to talk about is the biggest category. The one that everybody's oh. looking at, the one that everybody was waiting to see this morning when the nominations were dropped and that's best picture. We have 10 nominations. As I mentioned earlier, they are in no particular order. <laughs> the Banshees of Inisherin, 
Avatar, The Way of Water, Elvis, Tar, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Top Gun Maverick, The Fablemans, Triangle of Sadness, All Quiet on the Western Front, and Women Talking. Kirk, you have the floor. There they are. There they are. Look at them. Wouldn't it be insane if Top Gun Maverick wins? Wouldn't it be absolutely insane? It would be. And I will once again caution people that what happens over the next two months is that there's a lot of shifting that goes on. Okay. What's Kirk, what's your take on if, if the awards happen today and they voted on winners today, who, who gets it today? Yes. Like literally today it like goes literally, to literally, literally right now they have to vote on these 10 nominees and pick one to win. Which, which one do you think wins it? Banshees of Inisherin. Okay. So I would say everything everywhere all at once, but I think that those are both in the top three. Like I feel like the top three right now would be Banshees, everything everywhere, and probably Fablemans. Would Agreed. Be, would be, yeah. So I feel like, but what happens is things shift. There's lots, these big studios, um, they start throwing their money around and they start, they start pandering and, and advertising and for your consideration campaigns and yada, yada, yada. There's a lot that happens. And last year, just as recently as last year, Coda was a perfect example of this. Green Book was a perfect example of this. Um, films find a way to make their way from the middle of the pack into the winning position. And Coda did it last year. Coda, Coda was middle of the pack. People didn't think it was going to win. People were somewhat surprised that it earned a nomination in the first place. And it just kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And it finally won the award. Um, some of these movies snuck in under the wire. All Quiet on the Western Front was one m- myself and and many others. I think you, Kirk, as well. We we were a little bit surprised to see this one make it. It had been getting building some momentum, but I was surprised to see it squeak in. Triangle of Sadness, same thing. So there's going to be some movement happening. Um, where do you think it ultimately lands? Do you think Top Gun Maverick is the one that they end up going with? I actually think it goes to everything everywhere all at once. I just think that the momentum and narrative right now is so high on Banshees just, just because of recency effect, recency bias. It really, it really is just so powerful. And here, you know, hello, I'm Irish. My hand is raised. Um, I have my Irish card somewhere, but I, I have to say that I still believe that everything is a better film all around mm-hmm. better, more unique, more unique story writing, more unique acting uh, style choices and everything. Literally everything is different about it than anything you've ever seen before. And I think that needs to be marked. That's why it's so great. Uh, speaking specifically to Coda, I think it was chosen because finally people were brought back and allowed to be in the same place for the Oscars. And what better way than to represent a, a group of people who is underrepresented and most of all, represent the love they have through all of their struggles haven't we all been through some struggles the past couple of years and then you have a very similar uh story about love and struggle and middle class if not uh, lower class to everything everywhere all at once and just add an electric story and electric style 
And I think that's what pushes it just a notch above Banshees. But for some reason, I do believe Banshees is higher on the narrative right now than the others. Well, Banshees has some forward momentum, I think, going for it, for sure. I think that, uh, I think the Globes worked wonders for it. The fact that that it beat out everything everywhere all at once at the Globes was a surprise, for sure. Uh, but then you have Critics' Choice Awards swing back and, and, and give, you know, put some wind in the sails of everything everywhere all at once. And then certainly, um, you know that movie getting 11 nominations leading the pack is a good is a good sign that the academy is a fan of the film but you know how many times kirk have we seen the movie that gets the most nominations just sit there and sit there and sit there and not win the big award i mean mad max comes to mind um hugo when, when that movie came out uh, yeah. lots of movies that have been nominated for a ton of awards didn't take home very many and so yeah. it can always Power of the dog. Yeah, it can always happen. It can always happen. Um, I don't know what I expect to make a push out of this group. This is such a crazy group of movies because there's no theme here. You know, sometimes there's a theme with the Academy. You can kind of see where they're going. You know, if they want something that's more heartfelt, sometimes they skew towards movies that are doing something bold, something new. Um, I think last year they kind of tried to do that. Sometimes they skew towards popularity and you could make an argument that that's what they're doing here with Top Gun and Avatar. But there are some movies here that just totally contradict each each other, you know? Like they're like <laughs> I don't know, All Quiet on the Western Front and Top Gun Maverick are essentially opposites of of each other. Um you've got a couple of satires, but a couple of just mainline, straight line, linear plot type movies. And you've got huge blockbusters next to the smallest of the small. So there's just, yeah. there's, there's not really anything here other than one of my big takeaways here is that the Academy is concerned for the state of film right now. And so yes. they wanted to make sure that the films that they selected for nominations represented the feelings of the people. And I feel like that's what I, what what I see whenever I look at this slate of films is it's kind of hard to argue with this group. There's a lot of very popular films in this group. And and I think most of the really popular films from last year are represented here. And I think that was their goal was like, Hey, you know what? Let's celebrate the movies that did well. You know, the movies that did well on the, on the, at the box office, the movies that did well in VOD, the movies that did well in streaming, let's celebrate that and give the people what they want so that we can keep making movies. Um, because if we come out here and have a Hollywood frou-frou snob fest where we only nominate indie movies that nobody's ever seen, people are going to be ticked and people are already not watching movies. I don't know. That's my takeaway. Yeah, there's a lot of fanfare around here uh just a lot of bright and shiny objects in here and i think we could as we can any year reduce this down to five yeah (laughs) pretty easily pretty easily i don't think the rule of 10 is a good idea ever uh you can reflect that in the other awards uh, throughout the night you can reflect that in uh, so many other ways, so many other ways, uh, possibly even a, a, a whole nother category. I don't know what that would be, but not best picture for some of these. Well, so, they were going to do it, Kirk. They were going to do, do you remember when they talked about doing oh. best? What did they call it? Like fan favorite? Well, no, they did. They did that last year. They did the fan favorite text your vote in and the Snyder, the Snyder psychos <laughs> overtook it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and voted did. for Flash breaks the, what do they call it, the, as the best scene <laughs> over, like, Avengers Assemble Endgame or something like that. I don't know. Just blew up in their faces. But Army of the Dead was, like, chosen as the best movie. <laughs> Horrific. But I'll never forget. It goes back to the vote for the worst American Idol, Sinjaya. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's the exact same thing. But when when Endgame came out and didn't get nominated for Best Picture, the Academy had like emergency meetings to try to create basically a Marvel category, legitimately that was going to be called like Best Popular Movie or something stupid like that. It yeah. really was, and they ended up not going through with it. Um, they had like passed it, ratified it, the whole thing. And then it didn't happen. Um, but that's what this is, Kirk. When they do the 10, don't you think it's just pandering? It's just pandering. They want to cast a wider net because they're hoping that movies like avatar and like top gun that were seen by zillions of people will sneak in. Not that they don't, you know, top gun deserves to be there. Um, but they're, they're hoping by casting a wider net, they can get some more appeal. And so, I think mission accomplished. Mission accomplished here. They got they got the desired <laughs> results. Now I don't think either of those films win the award, but you know, this is what they were hoping for so they can draw some ratings. You know what I'm interested in is the what the state of the MTV Movie Awards is because essentially that is an audience vote uh-huh. by a group of I don't know 9 to six 13 year olds <laughs> almost giving them too much credit for their demographic there. Uh, I, I wonder if that looks anything like this that we're seeing here, or if there's a, a better mix and what the quantities are. I'd be very interested if the MTV movie awards are still even a thing. They are. What? Okay. They that are, but it's usually like, it's usually like, like if I had to guess what the MTV movie awards nominees would be this year uh top gun would definitely be there avatar would definitely be there uh doctor strange would be there i think elvis would be there because of austin butler perhaps because perhaps pg-13 let's let's look it up but i i don't i don't disagree i feel like they're you know and they didn't do their awards yet i think they do it in the middle of the year or something like that but yeah um you know the, the the Marvel movies are going to be there. the uh, The big budget movies are going to be there. Avatar and Top Gun. So, um, yeah, I I don't hate the ten nominations, but it is blatant pandering, and I get that. I totally get that. They they have a product to sell at the end of the day, and um, they have to make sure that people want to tune in. So, hopefully, that's mission accomplished. I want people to be excited about film. I want people to turn up, and I I want the Avatar folks there. You know, the people who who leave 21 thinking avatar and top gun are the best two films. Like I want them represented because that's a, that's a decent chunk of people. Yeah. So it is what it is, but let's, let's talk about other themes from the show that or from the nominations that stick out to you. Um, I can kick, I can kick it off. I think the, one of the really interesting themes to me is that the, like, sort of burgeoning auteur directors, like the people who are the artsy up-and-comers, got totally punched in the face <laughs> this this time around. Like, The Whale, Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, nope. Basic no-show. They got three nominations, but they were expected to get more. And it was basically just the acting awards and I think also best makeup um, and hairstyling. 
but that was a, a big swing and a miss. Babylon, we I mean, Babylon, total no-show. There's, like, no represent representation except for, I think, like, Justin Hurwitz for uh, score. <laughs> you know, he always works with Damien Chazelle and does an incredible yep. job. So Damien Chazelle, swing and a miss. And that was a movie I thought the Academy would really like because they tend to gravitate towards stuff like that. Um, that celebrates Hollywood, even if it's the nasty side of Hollywood. So I was surprised by that. And then you got Robert Eggers, The Northman. I mean, part of that is release date, but that movie no-showed hard. And I think that with 2022 being a weak year, I'm surprised that The Northman didn't garner more attention at these awards. It has to be totally release date related. Um, but that's that's one of the big themes. Is there anything, any big anything that you've noticed from these nominations that were surprising to you? Yeah, we didn't talk about it today, but animated was a super weird category. I yes. mean, just absolutely bonkers. <laughs> the awards came up this morning and my kids are like, I don't know any of those movies <laughs> because they were really not geared towards young children. A, a lot of them, you know, uh, Marcel the Shell. Um, what else is in there? That's the, the one that sticks out. The Beast. Pinocchio, Turning Red, Pinocchio, Guillermo del Toro, and there's one other. Um, I don't remember what the other one was. Whatever it might be, but that is such a weird thing because you did still have, maybe there wasn't, maybe in hindsight there is no, um, there was no other big animated film, but maybe I'm crazy. I, th- I well, thought no, I saw I mean, something. Disney has totally lost control of this category. They used to own this category. Yeah. And they don't anymore. Um, they swung, oh, I mean, they swung and miss a few times this year with strange world and Lightyear, both, both swing and miss. Um, yeah. nobody liked those movies. Nobody went to go see those movies and turning red was their only success and it went straight to Disney plus. So right. they're just, there's no way they win it. There's they've no, lost their no chance. They've lost their way. I think Pinocchio is probably the one that steals it. Um, or Marcel, the shell. I was very surprised that Marcel, the shell, classify was classified as animation given the <laughs> the split between stop motion animation and real you know like live right. action that's going right. on in this film i was very surprised that it was classified that way because that's been contentious in the past um so yeah i i think one of those two films probably takes it home the other one was push puss and boots the last Puss wish. And boots but oh what a str- that might win it I'm, disney, i don't know disney that I ha- used to have myself. a stranglehold on this category and i feel like it just shows <sighs> where they're at right now as a content machine that they have one nomination and it's not nearly as popular as anything else they've released in the last i don't know 10 years you know yeah so yeah, I've got one more observation. This doesn't really go with themes or anything, but I was really looking forward to this. This is such an an, an exclusive uh, winner's circle. There are what's called the Big Five Awards, which comes down to Best Picture, Best Original or Adapted Screenplay. That's one of the five. Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress. Only three films have walked away in the 95 years of the Academy Awards. Only three films have walked away winning all five of those categories in the same evening. And we will not have that this year. Everything Everywhere All at Once does not have enough. They have four out of the five. Banshees, four out of the five. Fablemans, four out of the five. Tar, four out of the five. They do not have all five nominations. It's insane. I was just like, why Why not one of them? And Just pick whichever one. Just give me a chance at what this is. Uh, because it's such... 
it's such a cool thing. And the fact that we didn't get there, we didn't tip the scales is a little, it's a little shocking. Uh, the ones that have one to give you some years, 1934, it happened one night, 1975, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and 1991, the silence of the lambs. 1991 was the last time we had uh, the big five win. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. I was hoping and certainly assuming that at least everything everywhere all at once would get the five, secure the five. But here we are. Here we are indeed. Um, yeah, that's a good observation. I think my only other one was that uh, the Academy is really, really, really celebrating technical prowess this year. Um, I think the biggest, you know, kind of harbinger of that is Avatar. You know, I think you and I both kind of argued about how do you even review this movie? Because the technical achievement is so far ahead of anything else that's happening right now. Well, the Academy has shown their hand on how they view it. Uh, it's yeah. that that holds a lot of weight. If you're able to achieve that, it holds a lot of weight. Same with Top Gun. I mean, it's obviously a feel good story, really well made, but I think the, what they were able to do cinematically was celebrated here. All quiet on the Western front. I view that movie and, and, and we're going to try to review all of these before um, it comes out. I'll share more on that later, but it's a really well-made war movie uh, yeah. adapted from, you know, perhaps the most iconic war anti-war novel ever. But beyond that, it's not really anything new, but technically it, it looks really good. So I feel like that, that, that was something that surprised me because I feel like the Academy tends to go toward things that are bold and toward things that have really, really, really good story. And I feel like in this case, they kind of moved more towards things that are, objectively excellent technical achievements. I mean, even Triangle of Sadness, it's a, it's a satire, a rich versus poor satire, which that's been done a zillion times. It's never been done like this, but the thing that will stick out to you when you watch the movie is Ruben Oostlin's, um, uh visual aesthetic and the way that he wants the film to look and feel. Uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful, so... That's another theme, but it's, it's going to be an interesting award season, Kirk. We got a lot of times for these things to shift around, but now we've got the nominations and we've given our thoughts when we get closer, we'll do a little bit more of this. We'll probably go category by category and give our picks on who we think is going to win um, prior to the big show. And we'll be sure to share out ballots and things like that as we get closer. But I did tease something a few uh, seconds ago, which is that, Traditionally, we will try to review whatever is a new release, but I think this year Kirk and I have been discussing we're going to try to review all 10 of these movies prior to them coming out. We have already reviewed four of them, which, help me out, Kirk. We have reviewed Elvis. Put, put the screen back up. Put the screen <laughs> oh, back yeah, up put it, right put it, Good call, good call. Uh, <laughs> we have reviewed Elvis. We have reviewed Avatar. We have reviewed Top Gun Maverick and... Everything, everything, everywhere, all at once. So that leaves us with six movies to review. This week, we're going to be reviewing The Banshees of Inisherin, which is available to stream on HBO Max. And, you know, outside of the weeks, you know, we will find weeks to review the other ones when, when things like Ant-Man and stuff are not in theaters. We will review these films. That way you can hear our thoughts on every single one. And we can kind of reveal where we land. So it should be a fun journey. Uh, I posted on social, on our social media pages where you can see slash stream these movies if they're available on streaming. So be sure to check that out. If you're ready to start marking them off the list, a lot of them are available to stream 
on various platforms and you could get a free trial for Showtime or, or Paramount Plus or Peacock or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you can knock a good chunk of them out. But this is just the beginning, Kirk. We got two, uh, you know, a month and a half plus to go before we get to the big awards. I think they're going to release Women Talking on March 12th, the day of Brutal. the Oscars. <laughs> there was a movie... It was the year that like Gravity and uh, Midnight in Paris yeah. were nominated. There was a movie that was literally released on VOD like the day before. And I can't remember which one it was, but I was like, <laughs> seriously, the day before. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm, I'm, I've lost hope on women talking. It's, it makes me extremely sad. It's the last one that I have to see. And I just, it's, it's sand through my fingertips kirk i just cannot capture it it continues to elude me i have more to watch than you i think i'm gonna find that one first but (laughs) not tell you i'm gonna watch it and i'm gonna spoil the whole thing for you (laughs) wow that is especially evil that is like so much more sinister than what i thought you were going to say Uh, (laughs) well thanks for that but, I'll like call you up. Hey Kim, what night, what time are we recording? By the way, here's everything that happens. <laughs> Saw women talking last night. They all die at the end. And you're like, no. There were women. They were talking. <laughs> they were talking. And they all die. <laughs> oh man, please don't. And if they do all die and we just inadvertently spoiled you, having not seen the movie, I'm sorry. I, I didn't I we didn't mean to, truly. Well, I mean, write a better movie because that's yeah, just yeah, a that's wild true. guess. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, well, that's our thoughts on the Academy Award nominations. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to tune in later this week on either YouTube or your favorite podcast provider when we review The Banshees of Sharon, which is one of the nominees for Best Picture. And uh, until that time, we will leave you with the symphonic sounds of the band Rhetoric. We also want to give a special thank you to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs. And we will see you all later this week for our review of the Banshees of Inisherin. Talk to you then.